Hello everyone and welcome back. Yes, welcome back. It feels like it's been an absolute eternity uh, between EU shows. Been trying to get Ollie away here from uh, from the love of his life. Uh, Lee, mate, you're the one that's in love. Uh, prescribed websites that we won't talk about. Um, welcome back everyone uh, to On The Benches EU show, uh, our European show. This is episode one of season four now. Yeah, season four. New year, new season. Huge. It's only taken us a couple of weeks to get going. Um, Ollie's been in the tanning salon, whatnot. Can't get him out of there. Man's hard to track down then. I don't even know what. But uh, look, mate, we will kick off tonight's show. We've got three topics that we want to talk about uh, that you know that you've said that you've wanted to talk about tonight. Um, so I'll jump into the first one. I might bounce the second one onto your hands, mate. That's and me. The first one, the topic that we want to talk about, we've kind of discussed it off air a little bit uh, in the in the, you know the past weeks. Obviously, we did see them uh, only just recently, um, you know, pull off a bit of a great escape at home against Burnley. Um, in very late on there, Lindelof and Pogba getting the job done there. And so, what we wanted to talk about was the revitalization of Manchester United. Now we've seen That's a big word for you, exactly. Matt. Yeah, revitalization. Um, Sounded out. Yeah, I say my syllables, you know, on the chin. Oh, yeah, okay. yeah. And um, look, <laughs> we uh, look, we we did want to talk about this because in the in the past, you know, we haven't always had the nicest things to say about uh, Manchester United. And we want to kick, to, to kick this off, mate. I want to talk about obviously the biggest difference with Manchester United now. Right now is their manager. Um, in terms of that was that's been the biggest change. Obviously, uh, Ole Gunnar Solskjaer uh, replacing Jose Mourinho. Obviously, Ole being a club legend, uh, scoring one of those all in, the the all important goal to win the nineteen ninety nine Champions League final against Bayern Munich. Uh, right at the death, um, had a fantastic career with them. Now, mate, to kick things off, what do you see are the key differences between Ole? And Jose, obviously, Oli's undefeated now. Eight games, seven wins, and one draw uh, to get things going. Our life uh, at Old Trafford is a lot brighter for everyone involved here at the moment. So what do you see are the key differences between the two? Mm. I think the key difference is, is the mentality that uh, Oli's been able to, to bring to the club. You, l- you look at Jose and, and the way that... His United players and himself, you know, they'd come into press conferences. Mm. There's a lot of negativity thrown around. Jose did what he did, blame players and and a lot of trust. A uh, very much defence-minded approach to the games, mm-hmm. whereas Oli seems to be attack. You know, he lets the kids go out and play. Yep. He praises them. He pats them on the back. He's got a lot of great things to say about these players, and it seems like he really nurtures them. Mm-hmm. Another thing that is quite prominent to me is... Ollie's love for the club, and I think Jose w- was very much a love for himself. Uh-huh. It was either Jose's way or the highway, and it was what's best for Jose, not what's best for the club. Ollie's been at the club; he's built a legacy there as a player, and learned from you know working under the best, being Sir Alex Ferguson. So he knows he knows what it takes to get that United squad to perform the way that they should be in and how the fans expect. And I think he's used that playbook and 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 his experience as well to turn it into this managerial approach uh-huh. you know he's a lot more positive about his football whereas you know Mourinho was more was more pragmatic so yep. I think if you're looking at key there's probably a lot of underlying things there that Ollie's brought into the club you know he's, he's 
he's not just a happy, smiling bloke. There's, there's probably a lot of tactics there. Still tinkering, um, but I think if you're looking at the, those three key differences, that, that's probably what it is for me. Yeah, right. Well, like, I think, yeah, big one there that you spoke about, like love for club, um, you know, compared to that love for self uh, with Jose. And uh, I guess for me, like, look, it's what we spoke about for ages and, like, what we actually had a uh, last season, we can say that now, last season, um, the blow-up. Uh, we had a bit of a blow-up, um, you know, when we were talking about it one night and it got pretty hated and uh, not for the first time, that is. And You didn't talk to me for uh, two weeks. <laughs> yeah, well, I only really just started talking to you again, so it's more like six. Um, but, look, it was, I, I said for so long, there was just way too many egos in, in the team, like in the squad, like manager included. And, you know, like you said, it was uh, Jose's way or the highway. Mm. And, you know, with the way, you know, the ego that he carried, you know, for so long, you know, the special one and everything else, you know, he would have walked in there thinking that he was, and, you know, rightly so, you know, the biggest bull in the ring sort of, and, but, you know, there was other players there, egos Ad- aside, and that's why I thought it was one of the biggest problems. Now, you see Oli come in, he doesn't have any ego, he has nothing to prove to anyone, and, you know, like you said, the, the legacy that he has at Man United, and I think now, you know, tactically as well, he's just come in, I think, you know, call it a tactic, call it not a tactic. I think he's just, you know, the lack of tactics in the sense that just letting them play. Letting players, you know, play the way, you know, that they want to play in terms of the reasons why they were signed for what they can do with the ball on and off it. And, I mean, look, example A, Paul Pogba. I mean, the revitalization of Paul is like chalk and cheese. If, you know, you go, you know, go back five months ago, you see him charging into the box. He's running everywhere. It seems like he's really starting to play for the badge. Um, not just for himself, and you know we can we can see that now. They're sitting just outside the top four, mm. and I think you know we just saw. Um, uh, Ollie said the other day. He said, a club like Manchester United. He said we shouldn't be saying top four is enough. He said, you know, look, obviously this year we can't win a title and challenge for a title. But he said we are Manchester United, and he said every year we should be thinking how can we win the league. And mm. I think like that's spot on. I mean, look. You'd be an idiot to say that Manchester United shouldn't be challenging for titles. I mean, they're the biggest football club in you know in the world for a very good reason. So um, I think he's just kind of brought that belief back a bit and just you know that um, let's play. You know, go and play how how you're meant to play, how you want to play in terms of you know using your skill on the ball and not being scared and you know not trying to play to a exact system. Um, and I think that's been really beneficial for them. Now, um, mate, next question. Do you think that this run, run of performance is just a moment in time? Um, and will we see real problems that we've seen this season with them eventually shine through? Or do you think this is something they can carry on for the rest of the season? You know, initially I thought it was a bit of the hype that Oli's brought to the club. It's positive play. The players are enjoying it. But, you know, there wasn't really a true test until um, until they went, walked into to Wembley. And um, they came away with the three points uh, against Tottenham. Now, th- that's probably all thanks to, to David De Gea. So, so my approach was that it was probably a little bit too much to get excited about, but yep. they pulled off, you know, a, a really strong result against Wembley, and um, and then obviously the one this morning against Tottenham. Uh, sorry, not against. Said? You said against Wembley. Uh, against Wembley's Tot- a stadium. Yeah, sorry, um. my apologies. Uh, against Tottenham. <laughs> <laughs> And top, but you know Tottenham could have blown them out of the water. They they really should have taken their chances, and that and that's thanks to David De Gea. You know he does have those performances where he saves absolutely everything, and mm-hmm. there's just nothing you can get past him. And then probably the second test was was this morning when Burnley 
went to Old Trafford and put two in the back yeah. of their net. And they, yeah, as you mentioned before, they, they brought it back really late. So the, I think the biggest questions around, is there a backbone behind this, is what happens when things get ugly? And, you know, Ollie showed that they didn't, you know, they, they were fairly resilient and strong to, to come back from not just one nil, but two nil down and, mm. and salvage a point. And, you know, they, they, they probably could have grabbed all three late there, but uh, it wasn't to be. But, yeah, it's just a little insight to what Ollie's been able to bring. So, yeah, I initially thought there probably wasn't much backbone and it was, it was more like the Emery effect, how, you know, this new system's come in, it's working, positive football, and then when things go wrong, it, it's, it's sort of the wheels come off a bit and yeah, it's yeah. not as pretty as it looks yep. from first glance. But, you know, the, you know, hats off to them. They, they've, they've really put up a, a strong fight and, and proving, and Ollie's proving the, you know, the, the doubt is wrong. Yeah, so probably, far. yeah, and he's probably making a great case for himself to be, you know, the, the number one candidate. Yeah, exactly. He, he seems to be taking it every day as it comes, um, and not getting too excited about it all. But you'd think deep down, you know, this is this yeah. is the job that he wants. Yeah, I mean, that kind of looks like he's he's not, as you said, taking it's perfect, perfectly way, perfect way to sum it up. Really, how it seems that how he's going about it, just taking it each game at a time. He's not worrying about anything else. Not like background noise. Like you know, it always seems like there was something else going on at United. Uh, when Jose was there, they were talking about this, talking about that, and he's literally just taking it a game at a time. He looks very calm all the time out there, um, and I think that that shows in the players. Um, you know, as you know, we, we'd see, we'd see, um, you know, if you know United cop goals, which they did plenty of times. You know, under Mourinho, you know, he'd walk up and down the sideline, he'd be yelling, he'd be screaming. It's like Ollie's very calm, and it's like he just leaves the trust in the players sort of mm. thing to go and get the job done I mean look I, I'm pretty confident in saying and I think a lot of Man United fans will say it as well six seven weeks ago prior to Mourinho going if they were down 2-0 to Burnley that game ends 2-0 I, I wouldn't have seen them pulling it back I would have seen them completely throwing it in like heads gone wheels of the bus completely gone and I wouldn't have seen them uh, crawling back um, but it's like Ollie was very calm and just you know passed on to the players just just keep playing I mean look they they had chances in the game and it was it, you know I always thought they were going to score I didn't think that they'd pull two back like that with that you know little time remaining but I mean it's just kind of proof in the pudding really um, at the moment that um, I think that's a good sign in terms of you know question of will you know will the wheels fall off well they're, they're still fighting regardless of who you're playing if you're down 2-0 with three minutes to go to come back's huge so well have you um, seen um, I think the biggest test for Ollie is the February March fixtures? You know they've got to yep, play PSG. Yeah. Um, there's some huge Premier League games in there, so that they're obviously not going to win all of them, um, and they'll probably come across some really tough times and and have probably a couple of losses as well when you're looking at it statistically. Um, but yeah, I mean this this will be the biggest test of you know Manchester United's true character and and what all he's able to bring in and whether or not he is deserved yeah. of. Yeah, well, look, that's what we'll talk about um, before we before we move on to our second topic. Um, now, regardless of you know, well, okay, this is the question that I'll ask you: Do you think he needs to have a good run over this next period, or regardless, do you think that he deserves to be number one? He's probably got a he's probably got a lot to prove still. You can't judge him just off these first few results. Mm-hmm. And and yeah, obviously these these February March period will will really test him. Um, it'll be interesting to see how his character holds up, how the character of the players holds up as well, yeah. and whether they are 
all fully on board with with Ollie's vision and mission for what Manchester United are to be. So I I don't think he's fully deserved of the job yet. Ask me again at the end of the season, and I'll assess their results and and whether you know the the other managers in contention uh, probably have it over him. Um, but yeah, no, at the moment he he doesn't have the top job. He's still got a lot of work to do, um, but he is he's certainly gone about it the the the, the right way and got the uh, the perfect start there. Yeah. Yeah, I think. Look, I think. I think. Regardless, I think they should keep him. Um, I mean, look, if he can, if he after the season they've had, if he can land him in the top four, and I think they definitely can do it. Um, then, like, why not? But what, if the what, right, if the right manager comes available, i.e., Pochettino. Yeah, but, yeah I don't think. I don't know. I, I. I. I mean, look from a fans' perspective, from a United fans' perspective, looking at Ole in the um, in the manager's dugout. Wearing his blazer with pride, you know, he smiles. He he loves mm. the club. It's a, it's a really nice sight. But for what Manchester United expect and the standards that they set themselves, for me, it's too much of a risk. The season's not over yet, and I don't know what the end result will be. But based on this, for me, it's too much of a risk to give him to give him the range straight away. I I think they would be better off going with Pochettino, who's proven in the Premier League he's, he's done an incredible job Mauricio Pochettino will not leave Tottenham. I guarantee he is, will not he is getting leave it, that's, a, that's for the next topic but I, I think I think Pochettino will be Manchester United manager at the beginning of next season I put a golden pineapple on it $50 Mauricio Pochettino I just don't get what's keeping Pochettino at Tottenham though anyway this is for, for this what do you mean he hasn't, won, he hasn't won a trophy Alright, well, it slides into it then. I'll leave it with you. So this is topic two, I guess, is, uh, is you know, we're looking at the title race itself. Now, we've you know, it's been a couple of weeks since we've really stepped back, looked at it from a higher level, and seen, you know, what's going on. So there's a, there's a few points here, but, you know, we, it's sort of written the headline after this morning's results. Two, uh, two goals to Newcastle and one to Manchester City. They scored early on. Then you had a, uh, a volley. Early on, I think, mate, it was one of the quickest. They had 25 seconds. Yeah, it was about. That was in the first minute. Yeah. Uh, from Aguero. And then Rondon put one away. And Richie got a penalty in the 80th to seal a 2-1 victory for, for Newcastle. So it would, would have seen that City have shit the bed and blown the title race wide open. So the first, the first point that I wanted to cover off with you is... With these, you know, they're four losses now. You've got losses to Chelsea, which is understandable. Then you've got losses to Newcastle, as just mentioned, Leicester and Palace, which are results that City definitely... Palace was at home, by the way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Are City handing the, the Liverpool the title, or is Liverpool's quality just a grade above this year? They're pretty much... I Liverpool are pretty much on track to crack 100 points this year as well. Um, oh, look, I don't know if... Cities, if our squad's any better than City or Cities is any better than than Liverpool's, not ours. Um, and I think it's just um, I was talking about it today um, with a friend of mine that Liverpool just haven't let up. Essentially, it's just been go 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 all season. So barring um, you know the drop uh, against the, the the points we lost, we dropped. Sorry, uh, against Man City. But look, I mean. Look, City lost a few games over that Christmas period. I mean, it was a bit of a shock. They did pull it back a bit, obviously taking three points off us. Um, but look, right now, I mean, look, come tomorrow, you know, it could be a different story if we go if Liverpool go seven points clear. But look, after that run of results that City had, 
uh, prior to the loss against uh, um, Newcastle, sorry, they won every game that they played. They had a four and against of 33 and two. Thirty-three goals, concede two. That's insane, right? We saw them put. I mean, regardless of being Burton, they put ten on Burton, you know, across two legs. Um, five on Burnley the other day in the FA Cup. So, look, I think that they're not handing it to Liverpool because Liverpool still have to go and win games. They still have to go and get the job done. It's just that because there's because they're giving them the opportunity to go further ahead now. If anything, there's just these games are becoming bigger, and like the game against Leicester is massive now for Liverpool. Mm. So, and I, that's the question. Like I said to you just before, before we started, I said it's more a question for me. It's not like oh my god, they've lost again, um, because like we've seen them lose already this season. You know, I think they've got four or five losses now, and um, oh, four yeah. losses now. It's more a question. I'm thinking like, how the hell are they losing to Newcastle? Mm. Like the squad that they had, they had you know, they had a very strong lineup today, and. Um, you know, you look at it now, you know, Liverpool, you know, some of the runs that Liverpool have got now, I was just looking today, you know, bar it being the Champions League, you know, in the run of their season, you know, they've, they've got three games uh, now. We've got uh, Leicester, uh, Bournemouth and West Ham, Leicester, West Ham and then Bournemouth. Then they've got 10 days off. They played Bayern. They've got another five days off before they go to United, which is perfect. Five days off before going away for the like for the for the, well, the bar that after that then they have to go away um, well, on that note looking at all the looking at the amount of days that Liverpool have in between their fixtures and looking at City's run of fixtures you know you just said that they've been playing you know in the Carabao and mm. the and the FA Cup do you think the you know the demands of this period are having an impact on on City's results um, i mean you know, you said that they, in a did, way, they did play a really strong squad. In a morning. way. In a way. I think that this year, what's different for Pep is at this stage of the season, he was, what, 20 points clear or something stupid? Yeah, it was said and done. Yeah, it was... I mean, year. it was part and parcel. It was going to happen. So he could rest players for certain games. Whereas now, he's trying to win the Carabao Cup. He's trying to win an FA Cup. He's trying to win a Premier League. But he's not 20 points clear. He potentially is seven points behind Liverpool. Do you think that, do you think that the pressure that Liverpool are... Are applying is something that of course never had to, to deal with. You know that you think of the teams. Oh, not that not never not never had to deal with them. I and you would have had to deal with it with Barcelona. You know Real Madrid like with Real Madrid. Um, you know, but this but okay with this crop of players, there's never been that much pressure that he and this crop of players have no have had to deal no with. not at all. Oh, and of course, sorry, and the Champions League as well. Do you think that uh, you know? Do you think that they take their eyes off the Premier League a bit and put all these their resources I don't know. into the Champions very, League? Very, very interesting. Very, mm. very interesting because they're desperate to do well in the Champions League. And that's the thing. And they're still, you know, Liverpool. You know, they play. Well, by the time this has been put out, Liverpool will have already played City. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, after that, there's, there's 14 games to go. So there's there's still so much that yes, can look, happen at the end of the day in football. But if you're looking at uh, my personal opinion on it is that I think Liverpool have been a grade above and that pressure that they're putting on City is making them capitulate. Of course they have been. I mean, look, they're top of the table for, for a reason. Um, but yes, look, are City throwing it away? I don't think they're throwing it away as such. But if anything... I don't think they're throwing it away either because losses in you know Premier League champions... 
come across losses in their campaigns. Of course, of but, course. Yeah, I just think that, that Liverpool are really playing out of their skin. This is probably one of the best Liverpool teams that we've seen in a very, very long time. Oh, 100%. I mean, look, if they, if they are to do it this year, it ought to be 30 years mm. since 89. Um, so, we weren't even a thought in our parents' mind then, mate. Um, but well, moving down the, uh, the ladder, mm-hmm. let's have a look at Tottenham because we nearly got into a heated discussion before. Tottenham have lost Delhi and Kane to injury. Sun returns, um, but I want to know, you know, they've come off the pace a little bit. They're still up there in the Premier League, but, you know, they within the same week they were knocked out of the FA Cup and the Carabao Cup. Yeah. Um, tough, tough fixtures, albeit. But, you know, do you think that, you know, they lose Kane and Delhi and Son as well, and they, you know, the, the wheels fall off. We'll use that term again. Yeah. Do you think this lack of investment is shining through? Because let's not forget, they didn't add to their squad at all mm-hmm. in the uh, summer transfer window. Do you think that is shining through now? Or do you think there's there's something else going on at, at Tottenham? Because let's not forget, they haven't won anything since 2008. So should we really be expecting them to be challenging for the title? You know, they haven't won it since 61, mm-hmm. something could be wrong, but yep. it's somewhere around there. And their last title was 2008. With the amount of resources that Tottenham have, they've tipped everything into the new stadium. Was this always going to happen in their season? Potentially. Um, but look, I think that once they once they get into the stadium and, you know, they start getting uh, more money come back in, they need to keep, they need to keep Pochettino. They, they must. They have to. They have to. So I said before, he will not leave. I don't think they will let him leave. No way. And he would be sure. He, I reckon he would feel short change. All the work he's put in. And I'm telling you now, once they get that money back in that new stadium, and they're looking a whole lot, not that they, not, you know, they already are, looking a whole lot more attractive to an incoming player, in the next two years, Tottenham can have a serious dive at winning the Premier League title. Serious dive, like all the way. Go all the way. Not just kind of be there on the fringes like all the way I don't I think that I think you're right in that regard I just don't think Pochettino will be there to see that through I think you're lying I think you're wrong <laughs> I'm not lying I, I think is, you're wrong okay fair but I just don't get like Pochettino is exhausting every single resource he has and he's getting the very best out of it you can't ask Pochettino no to he's do, not he's got three players injured and exactly and they're still there do you know what I mean? Yeah, but like, they've got to deal... They play great foot. Tottenham are a great side. There's no arguing that first 11 can challenge for the Premier League or can take it to any of the other top yeah, six. Yeah, but look, he wants to I'd bring stop. it... He wants to... Stop. <laughs> that, there's no arguing that that 11 can take it to any of the other Premier League teams on their day. It's what's behind that that is Tottenham's downfall. There's no... You know, they lose Kane, they lose Delhi, and it's gone. That's very mean. So, to- so Pochettino is getting the very best out of what he has in front of him. Daniel Levy is not going to give him any more than he asks. And everything yeah, right is now. going into the stadium. Right now. And he's he has... Pre- from when Bale left, Villa... Bo- what's his name? Villa Bosas was... Villa Bosas! What's his name? Andre Villas Boas. Yeah. Thank you for saving Villa Bosas. Anyway. What, Mark Villapousas? Mark Philip. Since Mark Villapousas was sacked... <laughs> he's a tennis player. I'm kidding. Villa He has taken them a level above. Right? Nothing to show for it, unfortunately, but it's top. Like, and at United will idiot. come. United will come calling for Pochettino. And why would he want to he, go to United? 
How's it going to be any different? It's going to be back to square no, one. No, it's not back to square one, mate. He's taking over the biggest club in the world with all if, the resources. If United want to go back to where the they want to go, of the chairman, I'm sorry. It's they just... will. Then listen, okay. You had your you had your little stop, stop, stop. Okay, I'm going to have mine. All right. Now go. you can stop, stop, stop. Okay. They bring the stadium in. They get the money back in. Right, he wants to be. He is getting the better. No, 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 stop, they stop, were stop. They supposed to be stop, in stop, that stop, stadium. Stop, 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 yeah, stop. Yeah, stop, stop, stop. All right, he is getting the best out of what he has right now. What he has right now, okay. There was a stage where Klopp got the best out of what he could get, out of what he had right there and then. But we weren't building a stadium then. We were only building half of one, so we still had money coming in, right? So he could go out and get more players, get the players that he needed, sell the players that he had to in the process as well, okay. If that can happen at Tottenham. Once they bring in the, new, in the new stadium and they can bring more money in, then they can give him the money to go out and get the players that he needs. And if they do that, then he can have a serious push at the title. If he goes to United, okay, we were just talking about United then, but in the long run, if United want to be a Premier League contending team again, it is not a six-month turnaround. No way, all right? It's a project. Pochettino would understand that because he's just gone through the same project at Tottenham. I don't think. Well, then I don't think. The, well, then United will shortchange themselves if they go after Porto, go after Pochettino because he wants projects. He wants to spend time. He didn't want to be there for a year, win a title, and then set off into the. Uh, they don't want that. For Poch- I'm sure they don't want that for Pochettino either. I'm sure they didn't want to sack Jose Mourinho, but it's just the keep Oli. All right, Oli's well, doing nothing wrong. Maurizio, listen, stay. All right, I also want to earn fifty bucks off Oli. Okay. <laughs> I will be very shocked. Look how shocked. long it took Arsenal to recoup, the, recoup their money from, from the Emirates, and they still don't spend. Yeah, mate, Do yeah, that's because Tottenham it's Stan Kroenke. Because Stan Kroenke's a fraud. And it's Daniel Levy. It's no, he's worse. Daniel's I'm telling a, you. He's a nice guy. He's a nice guy, I'm sure. But he's not just going to turn around after the stadium's built and say, here you go, Pochettino. Here's a war chest. Go on. It's not Tottenham. Like it, That's just not what they do. I don't think anything is going to change at Tottenham for a while. It's very mean what you said about Stop. him. You should apologise on air now. I'm sorry, Daniel Levy, if I offended you. Thank you for listening, though. Would you say that to him? Would you say that to his face? Yeah, when I get him on for interview. Mate, well, I look forward to laughing in your face when, in two years' time, Maurizio Pochettino is still at Tottenham and becoming the new Sir Alex Ferguson. Um. What you, what do we have next, my friend? What would you like to what What would you like to badger me about next? Mm, what kind? Looking at Chelsea and mm. the Blues, they've just signed Gonzalo Higuain. Terrible move. What What kind of impact do you think he'll have on on there? What What do you make of Chelsea's season so far? I don't and know. Then, and then, what do you think that Higuain will bring? It's a bit. It's a bit kind of like it's a bit how you going like. It's very how you go. Like, what are you, what are you about this year? Um, don't really know. They're kind of just like floating uh, in between it's that one fourth, of those, fifth spot. It's one of those off Chelsea years, it seems. They always yeah, but like, you're just, kind of, on. Yeah, but you're just kind of like waiting for them to get their shit together, and they just haven't. Mm. I mean, they were good at the start, but someone That's made a good thing, point. Yeah. They were playing at their peak, whereas other teams were just getting going. I uh, were just were just only beginning to get going. Um, I think the move for Higuain's stupid, mm. <coughs> terrible. He's an old-school striker. Play balls in the box to him. He wins headers. He gets flicks on, right? Flicks a ball on, right? Maybe gets a ball every now and then, turns and scores. That, that's how he plays. You're not going to get that when you've got Hazard on a wing and Willian on a wing. How often does Hazard seriously cross a ball? Mm. Well, they've had those type of strikers. Murata came, is gone, didn't work out. Giroud, 
he's a proven Premier League scorer, just hasn't worked in the in the Chelsea system. You're not gonna, it's not, there's, they need a they need a, they need a sharp little they need a sharp nippy little striker. Because fairness, the way that they play, the way that they play, William every now and then he might put in two cross. You know what? Alonso puts in more crosses, right? Mm. Than William would in a game. I'm confident of that. Because William plays on the left. Oh, sorry, William. Uh, then Hazard, my apologies. Mm. Hazard always cuts in. Always. Very rarely does he put a cross in. I'm not, I'm not, we're not, in, uh, not counting corners here. Um, I mean, look, he started the other day. I can't remember who they played in the FA Cup. Um, you know, Sheffield or something. Sheffield, like lower league team, right? Played nine. Played There's like, a couple of chances. He didn't put them. I think, oh, look, it's. He, he will does get frustrated. He would. He does understand the Sarri ball. You know, this. Let's not forget. This is the reunion between him and Sarri, where he scored thirty-five Serie A goals in, in thirty-eight games. Look at look at the team he was playing with. Exactly. That's what the the, dip, the Premier League is a different beast, and it's it's unforgiving for for strikers who are slow to adapt. I'm not even talking about that. What? I'm just talking about the team that they had. Insignia down the wing. Ball. Oh, right, yeah. Balls in the box. Balls in the box. Balls in the box. Balls in the box. That's how Higuain plays. He's always been like that. Mm. That's how he scored a, you know, bulk of his goals. Every now and then, you know, he might, yeah, as I said, get a ball edge of the box and do something. But look, I'm sure he'll have some sort of impact. He is a quality player and he knows what he's doing. But I just don't think it will have a significant impact on Chelsea's season. Net no. I don't see them finishing any higher than where they are now. Yeah, I think they'll be in a bit of a tug of war with uh, Arsenal and. Um, United United for that fourth spot so well yeah. that was my last point who, who takes that fourth spot yep yeah, I don't know three horse race right now it's too close to call way too close to call I think you'll definitely it'll the top three will be City Liverpool and Tottenham I think the top two will be City and Liverpool don't know where how that'll end um, I'm not making any statement claims yet uh, <laughs> until I get held by them by my mates who literally any, if I say anything it's screenshotted and uh, earmarked uh, for when Liverpool lose um, well, so we will go back on this pod and, and pull this up when uh, Pochettino is... Yeah, maybe that, that, but I'm not saying anything about golf. Liverpool. Um, but what I will say is I think it'll be City or Liverpool in like one or two. Tottenham will be third, I think. So, um, Or maybe the wheels might fall off Tottenham uh, at the moment. Now they're short on some players. But um, yeah, mate. Anyway, look, to finish off tonight, um, the last thing that we want to talk about, um, just a short little topic here, um, is a bit of a train wreck. In the up and we've, you know we've chatted about it before, the Monaco train wreck rolls on. We've seen Yardim, miraculous. I don't know miraculously, very odd, oddly, very, yeah. oddly. I was just like, what the hell? It's very um, odd. Being reinstated as manager after Henri, they didn't say he was sacked. They say he was suspended no, from his duties. No, I think I think the latest update was. Oh, it has yeah, been. Yeah, I think he came okay. out with a statement okay. and said, "Thanks for your time and." You know, unfortunately, it didn't work out. So, yeah, that they have uh, reappointed Leonardo Jardim. Um, yeah. Just three months after he was sacked from... Um, so, yeah, it's it shambles there. But, yeah, what are the what are your points yeah, you got there? Yeah, I mean, look, we'll... I mean, look, we saw Jardim come back. They lost their first match. It was a Coupe de la Ligue semi-final. Uh, they lost on penalties. Um, now, mate... They went 2-0 two up, two up as well. Fantastic. Well, look, they've obviously just signed Cesc Fabregas, um, which is a very big... Very big plus for them, very big bonus. They someone they could definitely use at the moment. Uh, actually, quite a fantastic signing, come to think of it. Mm. Um, but mate, the whole Jardim Henri situation. Um, did they suck him too quickly with no adequate actual plan? Obviously, just like calling back someone that they just got rid of, um, or is this just 
cut and dry the Monaco model. Mm. I think... Look, I think they the problem probably was that they sold too many players. I think the CEO came out and acknowledged that it was all too much too quickly. Mm. This is nothing new to Monaco, but I just think the amount of players that went out and their and their replacements just probably didn't meet the standards that they needed. Completely. So I think Jardim was a bit, you know, the the run of results were pretty awful early on in this season. It was a bit of a panic to sack Jardim. And I don't really understand where the appointment of Henri came from. I mean, obviously he had his uh, he had his assistant coach time at um, at Belgium there, so learning his trade and you know it could have been too much too soon for him as well to yep. to go and apply that to a club that was that was really struggling um, and, and needed a lot more stability and, and probably didn't want to take the chance on a, a manager, you know, feeling out the ropes and and trying to implement a style to team that just wasn't up to up to the standard so yeah i mean them reappointing jardim demonstrates that they realize that he was the man for the job and that it was all a little bit too much too soon and i think look it is the it is the monaco model um, but i think they just need to refine it a bit more and and have a a more steady approach to you know those developing and and on selling players Mm -hmm. um Obviously, the club isn't in a position to like kind of give chances. Obviously, in a relegation battle, obviously we've seen them go from champions in twenty seventeen to in a full blown releg into now a full blown relegation battle in twenty nineteen. Do you think that Henri deserved more time? I think in better circumstances. Yeah, definitely. I think you know if he came into the you know if he came into the side um, prior to a sacking, you know he was you know, Jardim left on on even terms and, and Henri was the new manager and he had time to build his system and, and play the way he wanted to I think yeah you know he possibly could have done much better and it was it was really ugly circumstances that, that Henri came into so he probably does deserve a, another crack and this shouldn't damage his reputation as a manager but you know it just it was, it was a really big hill to climb for, for such a young young manager yeah and uh, look mate to finish off um, my last question for you do you think the challenge was too big or taking over the club in that position do you reckon it was just always destined destined for a bit of failure or yeah, destined I for think, failure not a bit but destined for failure yeah I think most managers probably would have struggled in, in that situation I think he came in and a lot of their they were they were lacking star players and, and the star players within that team there was a bit of an injury crisis there as well, mm-hmm. so he was really struggling to pick a comfortable starting eleven um, that would that would fit, you know, Henri's specific system. So not just him, I think any other manager, even with experience, would have really struggled in in that position. So yeah, I hope I hope he gets another shot um, relatively soon, and and that he's. Uh, you know, he he's not too damaged from the experience that he had it. Yeah, Monaco. as we said, maybe a club that was in you know better better situation, so mm-hmm. to kind of give him a bit more time. But uh, yeah, it'll be interesting to see how if Monaco can turn it around. If Jardim can, what a, what a what a ten months of football to be for him. If you you know from getting sacked to you know pulling him out of relegation um, would be huge. So well, he was the man that uh, led them to the title in that incredible Champions League run. So if exactly. there's anyone to do it at Monaco, it's probably him. Exactly. Well, look, mate, that sums up that. Well, that finishes up the show. For today, episode one now, uh, we're back in full swing. So, mate, I look forward to uh, catching you next week. I will obviously be back down in Melbourne. So we'll be back over the phone. Um, oh, nice, nice having you here, Our mate. phone relationship. Um, and, uh, probably well, look, best mate, that way. Exactly. It probably is. You, <laughs> you fart too much. I do. Um, and your breath stinks. Um, so, uh, look, mate, with You've that. Got yes, I do. Um, 
you have long turnouts. Um, well, look, mate, uh, that will leave it at that, and uh, look forward to catching you same time next week, my friend. See you then. Have a safe flight back, mate.